It's my Grand Diaries, one new story every week for Ferrez. So for today, we'll be interviewing AJ. AJ will introduce himself very soon and tell us more about himself. And yeah, we'll just talk about migration and all that in between too as well. Hi, AJ. Hi, how's it going? I'm good. How's your, how's your day? It was a long day today. Like work and everything else. Yeah, um, so I went to work. I work at 9 to 5. Um, then after that, I went to rehearsal. Um, that's like four hours of dance. Um, and then I came here. So it's been like a 12 hour day. Oh, 12 hours. Oh, that's intense. So, can you tell us a little bit about who AJ is? Like, oh boy. <laughs> who is AJ? Yeah. Um, I think AJ is a lot of things. Um, I. I don't know. I don't. I try not to um, attach too many labels to myself. Um, just to allow myself to grow in whatever ways I'm being pulled. Um, I really try to be spontaneous and authentic in um, the things that I do and the relationships that I have and um, the people that I come in contact with. Um, so, who is AJ will probably depend on. The day and the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who is AJ as it relates to, let's say, migration? So, what how has been your like migration, like journey from where you came from originally, or where where is home for you? And like, if you just feel like where have you been in the globe? Can you just give us a road map to like, yeah, how AJ has navigated the world, like as a, relating to migration? Sure. Um, so I was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands in St. Thomas. Um, in 1993, um, my mother and my father both went to a Bible college in St. Thomas. Um, they met there, they got married, um, they moved away, and then they moved back to work at the same college that they went to. So I was born at that college campus, um, and I lived there for three years. And then when I was three, I moved to St. Croix, which is another um, U.S. Virgin Island. Um, and I lived there for four years. Mm -hmm. Um, so then when I was seven, I moved to St. Martin, um, mm -hmm. and on St. Martin, um, I lived there for 10 years, and then from St. Martin, I moved to Canada for two years, and then from Canada, I moved to Minnesota, and that's where I am right now. So that's your, that's your roadmap to arriving here. So yeah. could you walk me through, so you said you stayed in St. Martin for, so I'll say that's the longest of the yes, islands you yes. get to like, so what was... What was it like growing up in St. Martin? And sure. would you consider that home? Or what yeah. is home to you? Let me just put it that way. So I definitely consider St. Martin my home. Um, so when everyone asks me what, where I'm from, like I always say I'm from St. Martin, even though I wasn't born there. Um, and the thing is, St. Martin is an island of immigrants, essentially. Mm. It's very difficult to find someone who has all of their roots on St. Martin. Mm. So you'll find people from Dominican Republic, from Haiti, from... Um, from Europe, from the U.S., um, from lots of different Caribbean islands. And mm -hmm. so it's really like a tiny island that's a melting pot of mm -hmm. cultures and languages. Um, and so I really just fit in there. Mm -hmm. um, lots of people have immigrant stories from St. Martin. Um, and so everyone everyone calls it home, you know? Um, it's not... I think St. Martin has a really good model of... Um, how do you say... So it doesn't require assimilation, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think that everyone is very proudly and uniquely themselves and they don't try to um, fit into a certain mold. Um, and that's not to say that St. Martin doesn't have its own culture. Like, of course, there are things that are like distinct to St. Martin. There's music distinct to St. Martin. There's food distinct to St. Martin. There is um, clothing and dance and all of those things that are very distinctly St. Martin that are not similar to other islands. But um, at the same time, um, people very much claim their own cultures and bring that to the island. So it's like just big blend and it's pretty nice to grow up there. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Oh, I definitely didn't know this, but it's good to like know this. So, but St. Martin is part of the Dutch Antilles, so it's the external territories of the Netherlands. So, and it's French St. Martin and there's Dutch St. Martin. I hope I'm not wrong. No, that's okay. Right. Okay. So we. So that. So, so which parts do you do you do you belong to, or like do you stay, or like do you? navigate both like terrains or mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. so Samaritan is very unique in that regard so um, it's a very tiny island it's only 37 square miles but it is split by the French and the Dutch so the Dutch occupy the southern half of the island and the French occupy the northern half of the island I just realized that I use the word occupy and that's that's very yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can be a very violent term yeah. but I I meant it in the most that's yeah, funny. yeah, sure. yeah. Um, so French are in the north, the Dutch are in the south, um, and so I grew up on the Dutch side. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I grew up on the Dutch side, but I should say that it's very easy to move from one side to the next. Okay. So there's no border control. There's no passport okay. necessary. Um, there are distinct governments, distinct police forces, distinct economies. Mm. Um, we even use different currencies. On the different side, so the French side uses the euro, and then the Dutch side uses the Antillean guilder. Um, so it's really like two different countries on the same so, island, um, but there's a lot of movement between sides. That's interesting. So there's a lot of movement, so a lot of exchange of cultures and ideas and kind of like way of life too. So, yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Um, yes, for sure. There are some things that are unique to the French because um, the language is different, so mm. that, that really does change the culture a bit. So, um, if you think of music, like French music, if you think of zouk mm. or compa, um, that is definitely um, more unique to the French side, but that doesn't mean that the Dutch side doesn't appreciate that music also. Mm. Um, and the Dutch side, um, if you think of holidays like, um, of course, the only holiday that comes to my mind is Sinterklaas. <laughs> I'm not trying to, to bring that up, but yes, interclass, um, things like that will be yeah, celebrated yeah. on the Dutch side, side yeah. and not on the French side, um, even though the French side also appreciates um, holidays from the Dutch side. So you talk, you spoke about Sinterklaas, and you, you, you know you don't want to talk about, like, now that we've gone there, we're going to go there. So growing up, what, how do you feel um, with Sinterklaas being celebrated as someone of, like, of African descent? So how do you feel about... I mean, honestly, it doesn't have a huge presence on the island. Okay. Um, so compared to the Netherlands, like, the celebrations in St. Martin are not huge. Like, yes, some classes will have, like, Sinterklaas celebrations. Mm. And um, especially, like, there, there are a lot of Dutch people on the island. So, you know, if they grew up with that culture um, and with that tradition, then they try to carry that tradition on in the islands. But 
on an island-wide scale, there's not really that um, recognition of, oh, of Sinterklaas. Um, like, the presence of Santa Claus is much bigger on St. Martin than Sinterklaas. Um, and that could be due to tourism, due to American influence, due to our location in the region, um, due to migration, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it is a melting pot, and so the Dutch people are just like one, one um, segment of the population. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I really was, I don't know, I was unaffected, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yes, we do get Dutch news. Yes, we were aware of like debates that were happening, but for the most part, at least um, from my point of view, I was very much removed. Hmm. So, how often do you travel per year? And how extensively do you travel? Let's say in a year from January to December, let's say during the summer or during specific times. Like, yeah, I don't know where family is geographically, so can you just talk to us or walk us through your travel, like? Yeah, um, so I would say in my younger years, most of my travel was um, amongst different Caribbean islands. So my mom is from St. Lucia, um, and St. Lucia is an independent island in the Caribbean. Um, and I, vis I have family there, um, so I visited my grandparents and my cousins there. Um, I don't go there super often, but I have been there. Um, and then my dad is actually from... Um, well, he was born in Aruba and he was raised in Bonaire. So that's uh, two other Dutch islands in the Caribbean. And so I have family in both Aruba and Bonaire. Um, and I've been to both of those islands. And then um, both Aruba and Bonaire are close to another island that's called Curacao, which is another part of the Dutch kingdom. Um, and so uh, I've spent some time there as well. Um, and then like because of class trips and because mm -hmm. of like different organizations that I've been involved with, um, I've really gotten to see a lot of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. um, especially the smaller islands. Um, and so that's that's been the main part of my travel during my younger years. Um, but then after I left for Canada, um, that's when I started really seeing, um, I guess, a different, different regions in the world. So um, I studied abroad in Ecuador, and then, then I studied abroad again in Spain. Um, I've been to uh, Mexico to visit some friends that mm -hmm. I made at school. Um, I've been to different parts of Europe because um, my sisters study um, in the UK. Mm. Um, well, studied in the UK. Both of them are um, almost graduated. Um, so I've been to the UK and then in traveling to the UK, you know, you visit friends in different parts of Europe yeah. and things like that. So I would say, um, like, through different opportunities I've had, um, really a lot of luck in getting to see different parts of the world. Um, I think uh, Asia is largely untouched for me. Um, I have been to China, but um, that's really... Oh, I've been to China and I've been to the part of Istanbul that is in Asia. Okay. So I do claim that. <laughs> yeah. I do claim that. Um, but besides that, I really haven't traveled much of Asia and I really haven't traveled much of Africa either. Um, I've been to Morocco and that's the only part of Africa that I've been to. So reflecting back on your travel, I think you've traveled far, like extensively to a, to a point. Mm -hmm. So, you think, would you say your experience of traveling has been easy? Like, you have access through the border, you, you know, you don't get stuff for a second check or anything. What do you, how would you classify that as? Has it been relatively smooth or mm -hmm. easy? Mm -hmm. Or what would you say? Well, I would say I'm super privileged. Mm -hmm. um, so, when it comes to passports, like, I really do have it made. Um, and it's not because... Um, like, a lot of it, I was just born into, you know? 
So I was I just happened to be born in the US Virgin Islands because my parents live there. So me and my little sister have American passports. Um no, no one else in my family has an American passport, but we do because um, with American citizenship, you get that by birth. Yeah. Um, and then because my father um, is part of, or um, his heritage is from the Dutch Caribbean, mm. I also have a Dutch passport. Passport, okay. So, um, you know, having like an EU passport and an American passport because of the way the world is set up, mm. like, I really get, I don't get checked a lot mm. when I travel. Um, and... I'm, I'm very grateful for that, but then at the same time, it annoys me. Um, like, it's, it's very frustrating that some people have it so difficult and other people have it so easy, you know? Like, even though I'm one of those that has it so easy, um, it, it gets to me that it's like that, you know? Um, for example, um, during my first year, you know, I wanted to... Um, go back. Oh, during my first year in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, my my freshman year of college, I wanted to go back to Canada to visit um, the school that I went to and mm-hmm. visit like my old friends that were still at the school. Um, so I went to a school called United World Colleges um, in Canada. Um, so I was on the west coast of Canada in British Columbia, um, and so I was planning this trip. Um, and the only thing I really had to plan for was buying a plane ticket. Because it's like once you get there, then you stay on campus. You like you know you get food from yeah. campus. Like so, really the only money thing that I'm look like I'm a, a college student. Mm. I have a college budget, um, but the only like real expense that I had was getting there and getting back. Um, and I really wanted my friend to come with me, um, but he doesn't have the privileges that I had. Mm. Um, so he had to think about like applying for a visa. He had to think about paying for that visa. He had to think about like, okay, what if I get rejected? Like I have to apply for it this amount in advance. And it was like, we we had the same, ex- okay, we didn't have the same experiences, but like we had both gone to this amazing school in Canada. We were both alumni that were just trying to go back okay. to visit, you know? Mm. But he had such a harder time getting there and he couldn't go because of it, you know? Mm. And that, I don't know, it just, it really frustrated me that the system is like that um like i think border security is like some of the stupidest stuff out there Mm. um yeah just because like i know so many people that have been screwed over by border security my family has been screwed over by border security Mm. because um i mean my mom for example so she married my dad um but she she had a saint lucian passport Mm. and the saint lucian passport doesn't hold the same um, privileges as a Dutch passport. Mm. And so before she got a Dutch passport, traveling was difficult mm. for the family, you know, because she, um, she's actually the reason um, we moved to St. Martin because we were living in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, my older sister has a Dutch passport. I have an American passport. My little sister has an American passport. My mom is the only one with the St. Lucian passport. Um, and so we were living in um, the Virgin Islands. We went for vacation outside of the Virgin Islands, and then she wasn't allowed to return because of her um, her status or something mm. like that. So she wasn't actually allowed to leave the Virgin Islands, but she didn't know. Um, so the whole family could have returned, but she couldn't. So we all ended up moving to St. Martin until we sorted out our papers, but then it turned into a permanent situation. Mm. So it's it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. So how do you navigate, let's say, your double, I don't know, for lack of a better word, let's say your double identity of, let's say, 
being an American to an extent, maybe by mm-hmm. passport, being being American European or American mm-hmm. Dutch by passport, and yeah, how do you navigate that? So I didn't know. Yeah, you could talk more about that since you're now here, living here in the states, and home is maybe Saint Martin now. Of course, I assume that's where your parents are. So mm-hmm. I have the same way, but I say. For me, home is where my mom is. So if my mom is in Aruba or my mom is in, let's say, is in Madagascar, that's home. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just this funny of me just being very close to my mom. So it's like, when she's there, it's home for me, no matter where it is. So I don't know how that's. So how do you navigate those two, like, like identities? True. Um, so I would definitely say that for me, it's, I, I feel very strongly that a passport is not an identity. Mm. Um, because yes, I have an American passport. But I actually didn't get an American passport until I came to the U.S. for college. Mm-hmm. So I lived 19 years without an American passport. Mm-hmm. Um, so to now claim that American identity is very, it's not something that I'm willing to do because mm-hmm. I feel like it's very fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of a Dutch passport, my dad is from the Dutch Caribbean. My mom is from the British Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And I live on an island that's full of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And so... I do not claim the Dutch identity. Um, And that's not to say that I don't have rights to do it. Like if I wanted to claim it, I could claim it. Um, My heritage is Dutch. My last name is Van Arneman. (laughs) Like like, it's it's mine. Yeah. Like it's mine, but I don't claim it because I don't really see it as being a part of me um, or being, a part of the things that I hold sacred or that I hold dear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very complicated relationship with the Netherlands in general. Um, and just thinking about like colonial history mm-hmm. and thinking about stuff like that. Um, like as someone, especially as someone whose family, whose, whose ancestors was subjugated to servitude, to slavery, to, you know, you name it. Um, it's, it's weird. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely wouldn't say that I'm Dutch and I wouldn't say that I'm American. Mm. Um, I, I might say that I'm Dutch Antillian. Mm. I think that's some that's kind of different in my eyes. Um, which is not to say that I shouldn't have the same rights as a Dutch person. Mm. Um, the politics of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know that politics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I, I definitely wouldn't claim those identities as my own. Um, and I mean, for different reasons. So for the Dutch, like I kind of explained that, but for the US, um, I never lived in the US until I moved here for college. Mm. Um, and so to now claim an American identity for mm. me would be to claim something that is not my own. Um, I think that, I don't know, I think, I'm very much like Caribbean, like mm. <laughs> you know. Like, I'm just, yeah, like, right my, so. My yeah. dad is Caribbean. My mom is Caribbean. They're from different parts. I grew up in a part that neither of them are from. So it's like I was like, an immigrant in Saint Martin, you know. Mm. Um, and but I was a Caribbean immigrant, and so I think that you know maybe it's debatable whether or not you you can say I'm a Saint Martiner, you know. Um, and I can see it going both ways. Mm. Um, mm. And I, I can't say that I'm, you know, um, Aruban or Bonarian, and I can't say that I'm St. Lucian, but all of those islands are in the Caribbean, mm. and so I can say that I, I have this Caribbean identity, and that is mine. Um, yeah. So you see your, your identity is like a melting pot of 
all your yeah, <laughs> so the, yeah, yes, that yes, that melting pot yes. of Caribbean here, there, and oh, that's interesting. So, where do you feel grounded? Do you feel grounded in the United States, or where do you feel grounded? Um, I think that depends. So, um, in the United States, or maybe not in the United States, in Minneapolis, um, I feel um, grounded um, financially. Um, and I guess somewhat emotionally because I have a support system here. You know, I've lived here for the past five years. I, um, I know the cities, like I'm comfortable here. Um, I know my way around. I'm familiar with the culture. I've established some roots here, you know? Um, but I would, I wouldn't say, I've, I've never said Minneapolis is my home. <laughs> Those are words that would not come out of my mouth. I don't really see that as a thing, at least not yet. Um, I have toyed with the thought of leaving and then maybe coming back later. To Minneapolis? Or? Yeah, okay. to Minneapolis. Because mm-hmm. I really do like the city, um, or the Twin Cities, rather. Um, I, I think that there's really something special here. Um, but I'm not there yet. Mm. Um, and then in terms of St. Martin, um, I mean, that has like nostalgic value. Um, and that's where my family is, and you know that's where my friends go home to, and that's where I have memories. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know if I feel the same patriotism and allegiance to the land mm. of Saint Martin as I know some other people do to their country. You mm-hmm. know, like um, because as I said, like I did grow up as an immigrant on St. Martin, you know, so it's like, even though I grew up on St. Martin and I do consider St. Martin home, I knew that I wasn't from there when I was there, Mm. you know? Um, so to now leave that place and be an immigrant somewhere else doesn't mean that that place is now your own, you Mm. know? And it's this complicated thing of like, not really having like a land mass that you can claim like rights to, you Mm. know? Um, which is fine by me, honestly, because I can't really see myself settling in one place. Mm. Um, but it, it complicates what it means to to have a home, to be patriotic. Yeah. So you're more like the poster Ted culture kid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you want to call it like that. Yeah, their sure. culture like him. You know what the phenomenon is. So you don't see yourself being grounded somewhere or by virtue of like the your reality. You don't see yourself like, yeah, you have a lot of places that you can call. You feel you don't feel a sense of allegiance or patriotism to one state or place. Which is which is very interesting. So where do you where so where do you see yourself eventually being grounded? Or you don't see yourself being grounded anywhere? Yeah. Or a place where you feel a sense of acceptance and belonging. Um. So I would say um, I don't really know where I see myself. Okay. I kind of yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I haven't made up my mind about that yet. Um. So do you think you would make up your mind about it or come naturally? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, yeah, I get it, what you're saying. Um, I think that I have purposefully said that 
um, I'm open enough to like roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. So wherever I find myself, um, I think I'm pretty adaptable because of my background, because of the way I've moved and because of my family. Um, I really think that, you know, wherever I end up, it's, I, I'll make it work. Mm. Um, and that's, that's fine with me. Um, but I, I want to clarify that um, just because I don't necessarily feel allegiance to Saint Martin um, doesn't mean that I don't recognize um, the person that's living on Saint Martin has made me, um, has allowed me to become. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like I have a need to give back to communities on Saint Martin, to the people of Saint Martin. Um, because, um, yeah, like that's, that's where I think I, I got my grounding and I like, when I think of who I am as a person, like a lot of it is because of my experiences there. Yeah, okay. Um, and so I do want to, um, give back in whatever way that I can, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to live there. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So in your extensive travel, how do you engage with the local culture? I find it very interesting how people engage with local culture when they yeah. travel. Do you care to see the back roads? Do you use local transports? Is it more from airports to hotel, touristy type of things? Or it's like, oh, I want to be immersed in the culture. Um, I would say it really depends on where I'm going and who I'm with. Mm. I think with most of the travel that I've done, it's always been to visit like a friend who's actually from that country. Mm -hmm. um, and so because I'm actually with someone who's from that country, like I do use public transportation and mm -hmm. I do do like things that locals do, I guess. I mean, maybe it's not like traditional culture that I'm experiencing, mm -hmm. but it's authentic mm -hmm. um, in that sense. Um, uh, yeah, and I actually prefer traveling that way. I, I feel kind of uncomfortable going to a place if I have no context if I don't know anyone there. Um, I'm not the person who's going to be walking up and down streets that I, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm not that guy. Okay. Um, like I, if I'm with someone who's from there, like I'm super comfortable. But if not, um, I'm not going to go try and find an adventure and then end up in a back alley. Mm. Um, that's, that's not me. <laughs> um, which is not to say that I will like stay in a hotel um, yeah. and just like do touristy things. I've never actually done that before, so mm. I don't know what that's like. Um, especially like coming from Saint Martin, an island that eighty percent of the GDP like depends on tourism. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm familiar enough with a tourist lifestyle that, and when I say tourist, I mean I'm not saying that me as a visitor to a country that I'm not a tourist. I know that I am a tourist, but I think. When I say tourism, speaking about a specific type of tourist, um, and that's someone who is largely sheltered from um, certain uh, environments mm -hmm. or um, atmospheres that are not carefully crafted by the people who want to portray a certain image of the country. Mm, okay. Um, and so when I go to some place, um, I really just I don't know I try to make it happen, try not to force it. Mm. I, I've started looking things up online, like, okay, which restaurants have, like, good ratings and mm. stuff like that. Um, I used to be the person who just, like, 
walked into a restaurant that looked good, but I've had some bad experiences, so <laughs> I've started looking up ratings, <laughs> yeah. um, which which has been cool because I've, yeah, food food is good. Yeah, food um, is important. I, I, don't, I don't think I really learned to appreciate how good food is until later on in life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How so? Well, I mean, I think I grew up with good food, and so I just took it for granted, you know? Mm. Um, mm. And then I got out there, and I was like, wow, you can really stumble upon like some bad food. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds silly, but I, I didn't really know that was a thing. Um, so I... Yeah. So, what do you like about traveling and moving to like various different geographies and places and spaces, like across borders and nations? What do you like about it? What do you like about it? That's what I like about it. Um, I like um, I like trying new food. I like experiencing new things. Um, I like understanding things. Um, I like reading about something and then seeing it. That's that's really cool to me, and I really appreciate it when I have like historical, cultural, and like economic background to reflect on. Like, if I'm about to go see like a monument or something like that, and I know the history of it, I can appreciate it so much more than just like looking at it. So mm-hmm. that that's really great for me. Um, and I've really started trying to like do my research before I go see something. Um, yeah, so I really just appreciate like the rich, the rich history of, of everything, um, but also um, I guess understanding how different identities are seen in different cultures and mm. how that changes and the way I'm perceived depending on where I go. Um, so wherever I go, like I always look for the people who look like me mm. um, and see like how they are treated, to see like what's their status in this country, like what am I perceived as, you know. Um, like, if I'm not seen as a tourist, like, what am I seen as? Um, that's, I don't know, that's fascinating for me to think of, like, Pan-Africanism and Blackness um, and think about the way that those things intersect. Um, and, I guess, cultures that develop, you know, if you think about, like, I don't know, Black people in Spain, like, mm. what is their role there? Like, what is their music there? What mm. do they do? Um, versus Black people in Turkey. Mm. Um how is it different? How is it similar? How are how are we perceived differently depending on the context of the country? Um, I find that fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. So, do you believe like someone can have a lifestyle of traveling, or is it because it's we should, one thing when we talk about traveling is. We mentioned and we talk about it in a very glamorous way, but like it's expensive. It's like you require yeah. like the mm-hmm. economic means and like the financial means and the time and to do that. So do you think everyone can live that lifestyle of traveling or um, moving around? Um, I mean, traveling is really expensive, and I think that I've just gotten so many. Like, I've gotten so lucky, <laughs> like, mm. like so. Like I look back at my life and I'm just like, wow. Um, like, so, so lucky, because, like, I mean, I don't come from, like, a very rich family, um, so a lot of the travel that I've done is, like, based on, you know, study abroad, or scholarships, Mm. or Mm. visiting a friend, or, you know, and again, like, back to the privilege of having passports that let me travel, Mm. it really takes off some of the expenses, Mm. expenses of, like, 
having to apply for a visa, mm. having you know, so it's like, and because I'm a guy, I can buy like flights that leave at midnight and get that, you know, yeah. like I I really have had a lot of privileges when it comes to travel, um, and so that has really taken off a lot of the expenses because of that. Like I can stay in like a shabby hostel and not worry about anything, you know. Like I mean, maybe I'll get robbed, but that's probably the worst that can happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I definitely think that, realistically speaking, like not everyone can afford to travel for a number of different reasons, mm. um, and that's okay. Um, I also think not everyone wants to travel, travel. <laughs> you know, which is which is also fine. Um, but I think that for those people who do want to travel, um, if you can afford to do it, um, then I think traveling can also be very dangerous. Mm. Um, and if you think about just like appropriation of culture, if you mm. think about like not really recognizing your positionality within mm. a situation mm. um, and just acting on impulse, if you don't understand, I don't know, I've just, I've seen some really like horrible stuff like while traveling. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like really, really like stupid stuff. <laughs> Um, and so it's, it, it can really be dangerous. And so I, I just, I hope everyone who does choose to travel is really mindful of the footprint that they're leaving mm. on the places that they visit. Yeah, that's cool. So do you feel like being a migrant in all these various places has informed your outlook in life? Like, as I said, you've been around the Caribbean a lot. You've been around the U.S., Canada, and you travel. So you think moving through those spaces as a migrant, not a native of that like geography or that space, has it informed your outlook in life? And if so, how so? Um, I mean, I'm sure it has. I can't necessarily say like what I got from what place. You know, mm. like I can't say, oh, like in Canada, I learned this, yeah. and in this place, I learned this, and you know, um. But it definitely, it definitely has um, had an impact on the way that I see the world. The world seems a lot smaller to me now. Mm. Um, I think that issues and people and places and things, you know, like you hear about a bombing in Istanbul and I don't know, like I've been there. Mm. Like what if, what if I was there? There, you know, exactly. Like that it's, it just, it makes everything and every tragedy and every crisis and just everything just like that much more closer to home and it really just like um yeah it 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 i don't know like i don't want to say it makes you less sheltered but mm. it just puts things in a perspective you know i mm. think there's a real othering that takes place when you hear about a certain place or when you hear about a tragedy then you're just like oh where did it happen and it's a place that maybe you've never heard of maybe you don't know anything about and then you're just like oh like maybe that's that's used to happening there like they're accustomed to that mm. um and it's this really weird thing that people do like if a tragedy happens in europe then it's just like oh my god like that's not supposed to happen in europe but then if a tragedy happens if a worse tragedy happens in like another place who knows like iraq bangladesh you know then it's just like oh but they're they're used to that you know like that's common there that's expected but then it's like once you've been there, you're just like, wait, I know people there. there. Like, I, like, mm. like those that those are my friends. Mm. You know, then it, it just it makes them closer to home. You're just like people, like it's so simple, but it may, it shows you that people are people. Mm. No matter where you go, people are people. People have lives. Lives matter. Like 
yeah, it's something so simple, but it it really is something that a lot of the world needs to learn. Um, and not everyone can travel, and there there are other ways of learning that people are people. Mm. Um, but that's just one of the biggest lessons that that I've taken away from traveling: um, that people are people, and mm. that really does change the way that you move through the world and the way that you you see certain things. So would you say your decision to migrate? I don't know if we, at this point we call it a decision to migrate or not migrate. Would you say it was as a result of choice or circumstance? Um, or both. I mean, I would say it's both. Okay. So on Saint Martin, there's definitely. Um, so Saint Martin doesn't have a very strong higher educational system. Okay. So once you finish high school, if you want to pursue a bachelor's degree, um, for the longest time, the only option was to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's very accepted culture that. Once you um, graduate your final year of high school, you apply for a loan from the government. Mm -hmm. And then you go to either the U.S., the U.K., or the Netherlands, or France, Mm -hmm. to complete your higher education. Um, Again, this is because this is dependent on Dutch citizenship. Mm -hmm. So um, remembering that St. Martin is an island of immigrants this creates a real issue because um, if you don't have Dutch citizenship, then you do not have access Mm -hmm. to the loan money given by the government to pursue higher education. So after high school, you're stuck Mm -hmm. unless you come from a rich family, which is often not the case. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a real, real issue on the island because people who don't have the Dutch nationality, they really just don't have an option. Um, the university on the island is getting better, but it's still not up to par with international standards. Okay. Um, so it's it's an issue. It's mm. a real issue. So um, like many others, after I finished high school, because I have the Dutch nationality, I was able to leave. Um, I took a different route because I went to UWC mm-hmm. first. Um, so I went to UWC, I did my two years there, and then I took the loan to go to university in the US Um, yeah so it's like I did have to leave the island because if not then I just wouldn't have received the higher education Mm. but then it was also expected that I would leave the island Mm. so it's not like it was a burden like everyone plans for it you know Hmm. so do you like consider the impacts of your travel let's say either carbon footprint how you engage or navigate with other cultures how your i say your positionality in these cultures that you kind of sometimes step back to reflect on those things or something you don't actually do um so i think i could really be better about my carbon footprint Mm -hmm. like i have now started like working full-time um and i think before that in traveling, I was just always looking for the cheapest option. Mm. Like, like I am, I'm not thinking about, you know, like, oh, the straight flight, like, it will have, like, less of a carbon footprint. Like, if I need to make 10 stops, like, I will make the 10 stops. <laughs> you know? Honestly. And so, I think now I really need to start being more mindful of the way, because it's, it is a privilege to be able to think about your carbon footprint 
when traveling and actually mm. do something about it. You know, because mm. like I just didn't have the money. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's expensive <laughs> to know, pay like, for. Yeah, I know. Two hundred dollars more <laughs> to like get a flight. I, like I don't have that. No. Like, yeah. So now that I actually have a job um, and I'm like financially stable, I can start thinking about my carbon footprint. You know. Mm. Um, but before that, just wasn't the case. Um, it's not something that I took into consideration. Um, what was the second part of the question? It was about the impacts of your travel. What did you consider impacts of your travel? Okay. So, um, and then, um, I think I really just try to observe a lot um, and talk to people in the countries that I go to. I mean, you can do some reading, but sometimes... The only things that get written about are extremes. Mm. So either like extremely good or extremely bad. And so maybe that's not the things that you want to be reading before you go to a country mm. because that'll psych you out. Um, but once you get there, like just, just, I don't know. For example, I went to China and a lot, I got stared at a lot, mm. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> um, and I was just like, what are people looking at? Um, and granted, like it wasn't it wasn't a huge city in China. Um, but my friend uh, who was from there, he is just like, you know, they just haven't seen people like you before. Um, and so there a lot of them were just curious and like I was kinda weirded out. Mm. Um, but I was just like, Well, okay. Um, we went to like this um, like we were coming from this hotel. Um and the taxi driver, <laughs> the taxi driver <laughs> has to take a picture with me. Uh, and I was just like, what? Like, why? <laughs> like, I'm on so many people's phones right now. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're doing with these pictures. Oh like, God. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, sure. Let's take this pic. And so, I don't know. Like, just thinking about that and like positionality in that sense but then also trying not to like carry over histories you mm. know so like in the u.s like you you don't do stuff like that you know yeah. like <laughs> you don't stare at black people and ask to take pictures with them you know but like trying not to like carry over like racist histories of the u.s to a different part of the world and like judge people from that part of the world with that knowledge and with that background you know um, and I mean, obviously, like, there's anti-blackness, like, sentiments, like, throughout different parts in different countries that, that do overlap, you know? But really trying not to judge, like, one culture with the, the values of another, um, that's something that I have to constantly remind myself of. Mm. Yeah. So, you talk about extremes and, like, in reporting about people talking about various spaces and travel and all this stuff. So when you when you travel, what do you allow yourself to see? And what what do you allow yourself to see? And what do you care to see or not to see? Oh, that's a good question. Um so I'm not really one for like tour buses or things <laughs> like that. Like that. I just really don't get much out of that to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I've actually never done a tour bus before but I can I, and I I've never had the inclination to do that. So it's very funny just Oh it's like, a huge thing on St. Martin. That is a huge thing. So I just I just never been one for tour yeah. buses or like anything like that. Or just organized tours in that sense. Mm. Um 
and maybe I just haven't had the right one, but it's just, that's not something that I go to, you know, like, I always go for food, like, mm -hmm. what are the good restaurants, like, what do people eat here, um, I do try to check out the nightlife, mm. um, like, you know, where do people party, like, what's that like, what do, what do people listen to, mm. I also think that, like, okay, and this is a very interesting statement that I'm about to make, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, so I'll preface it with that, Yeah, but I feel like, oftentimes, the part of society that lags behind the most mm. in terms of like progressive thinking or in terms of like equality mm -hmm. is nightlife and so if you really want to see like how far a culture is just mm. go to a club i think the way you said it is very shrouded can you like elaborate <laughs> like yeah for, for our listeners out there who maybe not oh, get what it yeah oh boy well i mean i've just had some really positive and really negative experiences um, in different bars um, at, in different countries and like so much of it is so similar so for example I was in Ecuador mm. um, I went to this this bar um, and it was a mixed group so there were guys in the group there were girls in the group um, and so at the door to separate you mm -hmm. um, and so we were just like, okay, this is weird. They were just like, oh, like, guys, like, you just, your entrance is through the back, and girls, like, going this way. So we are just like, okay, okay. this is weird, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so we went to, like, the back entrance, um, and then the girls went in through the front entrance. Um, and when we went in through the back entrance, we realized that we were in two separate rooms, and there was a gate between them that was locked. The girls, the section that the that the women were in, um, they got free drinks mm -hmm. and um, you know things like that. And then the section that the men were in, they had to pay for their drinks, right? Um, and we were just like, okay, this is weird. And then at a certain time, there was like a bell that sounded, and the gate like opened, and then the men, the men, <laughs> were allowed to go and mingle with these half drunken women. And I was just like, what? Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> like, if you just think about, like, the symbology of that, or just think about, like, like the actual... Uh, wow. I was flabbergasted, honestly. I had never had an experience like that that was just, like, so blatant to me. Um, that was ridiculous. Um, and so just thinking about like, okay, what are the customs here? Like, okay, and a lot of the places that I go to, like, mm. there's always like ladies' nights, you know, like mm. women get in free, guys play pay like twice Price the, the rate, yeah, price, you yeah. know. And I'm just like, okay, no, like, first of all, I'm queer, like, this does nothing for me. Like, I had no, why, <laughs> <laughs> like, why, no, <laughs> you know, like that, that's, I, I don't know, that really puts me off. Um, and so, but it tells me a lot about um, the culture, like the underground culture, mm. um, in terms of just like gender relations and equity and things mm. like that. Um, but it also tells you a little bit about the music scene. So, mm. like, what kind of music, music do people jam to yeah. in um, the clubs? Like, is it local? Is it international? Um, where is most of the music coming from? Is it English? Like, I remember I went to a, a club in, in Munich um, and they were playing like, dance hall and mm. i was just like what <laughs> like, like do you guys even know what they're saying like i'm just like who, who who what like who listens to this so i was i was very um interested at that um 
So it, it tells you a lot. Mm. And I'm, I'm very interested. Like, again, some of my experiences have been positive and some of them have been extremely negative. Um, but it it's always very eye-opening. Mm. And so I always try to check out the club scenes. Um, what do I not do? Um, I, well, I told you I don't do bus tours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what would you, what's next for you? Like life, traveling, oh migration, work? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, so right now I'm working a full-time job. I am a research analyst. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely not what I want to do forever. Um, and so I'm thinking about going to grad school in the mm -hmm. next couple of years. Um, and right now, my mind is set on doing a master's degree in urban planning. Oh, nice. Um, so that's that's what's on my radar right now. Um, I think I really want to use like my um, like my grad school experience to get out of Minnesota. Okay. I think I've been here for a while now, and I'm starting to get too comfortable. Mm. Um, and so. Yeah, I really want to use that to maybe experience like another city, go get some more perspective. Because I think really living living in the U.S. makes you so U.S. centric. You mm. know, like you forget about other issues. You forget like it just it really just encapsulates your whole worldview. Like I realized it when I went home the the other um, a couple of months ago. I went home and I was just like, wow, like I've not listened to U.S. news in a while and. I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? And like, even the US news that you do listen to, like, it just, it, it weighs so much less, mm. you know? Um, and so I think living here really takes a toll on you because there's just so many issues with this country. Um, but um, yeah, so that's, that's what's next for me. I mean, We'll see. I'm really, again, I'm really open to, like, whatever life presents. Um, I really try not to, like, tie myself down with too many things. I'm only 24. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I try to have a plan and then work around it, whatever happens. Mm. So, what's, the, what's success to you? Mm. Success. Um, I think... Now that I've started working, I really think that success is having a career that makes you want to get up in the morning mm. um, and really feeling that you're contributing to um, making society, the society that you live in, a better place. Um, and really trying to use the privileges that you have to um, to better the situations of others. Mm. Um, it's really hard for me to do a job that is so detached. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that my job doesn't have like positive influences. I'm hoping that it does, but um, it's it's very detached. Um, and I realize that it's it's not not what I what I want it to be mm. um, so yeah I would say success is really just like being fulfilled mm. and fulfillment comes from um, doing meaningful work thank you very much for joining us on Migrant Diaries of um, course. AJ it was nice talking to you yes <laughs>